start a new sermon series called Stars with Scars. And this will be for July and August. We'll study some well-known characters. Uh, we'll call them stars. And we'll see how each of them has overcome challenges or their scars in their own lives. And today we begin with Ruth. And I was excited about this because I really love the book of Ruth because it's a fun one because it's short, uh, but it's packed with a lot of great lessons, lessons of the Redeemer. And today we'll be going through Ruth 1, 1 through 18, and Ruth is a beautiful story of high peaks and low valleys, much of what we experience in daily life, especially with the enemy before us. We will talk about what it means to stay together with family through disaster, joining a church family and clinging to Christ. Ruth goes through so much disaster and brings her scars with her in all she does and does not give up on those around her and gets a front row seat to what God is doing in this story. Now let's get into our passage for the day. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters, will you, why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my room, womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you. Because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. 
God, we come to you with, with open arms and open hearts that you would share with us the promise that you are perfect love, that you are a perfect father. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me today, that you would give me an open heart to let the spirit flood through me today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's set the scene for a moment because I think even for me, I don't know about you, we, we tend to go through passages a bit too quick. So I want to go back through that, not, not all of it, but, but highlight some of these uh, verses. Because there was a lot of disaster. And yes, I'm going to highlight that because this, this sets up the rest of Ruth, and it is important. Verse 5, it says, both Malon and Kilion also died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. In one line, there's so much here. Naomi is torn apart. To be sure, like I said, if, if we read this story too quickly, it makes it seem as all, all three of these men died around the same time. When in reality, it was, it was many different times over a decade or so. This tells me that the mourning process could have been kind of set in, maybe comfortability, maybe uh, the, the change of life got a little bit better, um, and then another one died, right? And then it starts the, the emotional toll that comes with that and the mourning process. And then another one dies, and now all the men in her life are gone, her husband and her two sons. And I just can't imagine what this feeling what this was feeling like, especially in a time when it was so tough for widows. Then we get into verse 6, and it says, Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. They heard of hope. They heard hope in a time of despair and brokenness. And so they set out on this journey, one that would not be a quick one, but a long drawn out journey of silence, awkward times of conversation and mourning. Can you imagine the toll that this would have on these women? Especially this journey for Naomi, who what we know about Naomi is that she's not a young woman anymore. And this would have been a tough journey to do. And in this time, when it was an extremely dangerous for women to be alone without a man, would be scary and gut-wrenching the entire way. Not only do they have to go this long journey with the hurt and pain from losing their husbands and father-in-laws, they would also have to go with this fear of doing it alone. And Naomi still acts selflessly towards Orpah and Ruth by telling her, them to leave her. Verse 8, it says, But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and me. How many of us have pushed others away in times of hopeless despair? Where we push others away, where on the outside we say, Go back, get away from me, I don't want to see you. But on the inside we're screaming, Just stay. 
I don't know what to do. And yet it comes off as, I don't want to be around you, but it's more of, I, I don't know what to do, and I don't want to bring you along with it. Edward F. Campbell Jr. shares this about Naomi. Naomi, like Job in the prose story, serving as the frame for the poem there, is rendered bereft of those things which provide her security, and she cannot comprehend why. She is ultimately giving up. She doesn't know what to do and, and needs companionship, but doesn't feel she deserves it from these two that can leave to find new lives. But the silence on the way, the awkward times of not knowing what to say in this time probably gave her a lot of time to think. She was thinking over the journey that they were embarking on and what the future might look like. But in all of this, though, she shares Hesed with Orpah and Ruth. The word kindly in, that ver in verse 8 is Hesed, which we learned about months ago with Pastor Jerry, about an unbreakable love that is perfect in God. She's blessing them to leave her at once with the Hesed of the one true God. And many of us can probably relate to having to choose when to speak to a mourning friend or a family member, or even if we have the capacity to stay within the disaster that's happening. But what a gift that these women were for each other. That they chose each other. But Naomi feels as if she has failed these women, as she has no more sons to give them. And the ones she had died with no sons of their own. She's broken, afraid. She feels like she is worthless. And I have not been there to that same extent, but can relate to at least some of that brokenness and fear that God was punishing me or left me. You feel so far from God, beaten down and abandoned. Hopelessness is not a good feeling. But after hearing and seeing Naomi bear her soul and brokenness to them, Ruth clung to her and says, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. Campbell Jr. notes here that, with, that what came with this part about if even death parts me from you, presumably was accompanied by what would be similar to an index finger to the throat, alluding to the ritual act involving the slaughter of animals, to whom the one swearing the oath would equate himself or herself. This would immediately make Naomi listen up, as Ruth is basically saying, if I break this bond, I hope God does to me what is done to the animal in the covenant, death. And then verse 18, after such a display of devotion and love, Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her. She said no more to her. I don't know about you, but I, I just, while reading that, I felt a kind of a, a silence of relief at this point, where Naomi was pushing them away because she really thought there's only death 
with me. You need to go find your lives. You can live your lives. But then this relief of, of Ruth saying, no, I'm, I won't leave you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. But the relief is not completely there, as this journey would still be tough. And to this point, Naomi has no idea how she's going to help Ruth, let alone herself. But there must have been some sigh of relief, as Ruth wouldn't let her die, at least not on her own. But Ruth, she gave up everything, her family, safety, even her faith, converting to become Jewish as before she worshipped the gods of her people. Ruth is also doing this with the scar of both her husband and father-in-law dying, leaving her a widow and her mother-in-law a widow in a time when it was difficult for widows to make it in the world. Commentators share over and over, there was almost nothing worse than being a widow in the ancient world. And I would add as well that in this time, family was all about a unity and being together. Ruth was welcomed into this family and given a home, and she wanted to cling to this with all she had, even through disasters and even through all of the scars. Now I'll take a quick break to give you a little bit more of my story. My family moved many times growing up, so many times that I couldn't really find myself. Didn't realize who I was at times, and it was extremely hard on our family. But we stuck together, and we did it together going from California to Indiana, to California, to Indiana, where I finally stopped moving with them. Now, this is not to put my parents on blast, and for all of those that I just lost with that word blast, it means the spotlight in a negative way. You can ask your kids or, or your grandkids. Right, but this is not to, to, to put them in a negative way because I believe that my parents did all that they could to keep our family together. They did the best they could and fought to keep us happy and give us a better life than they had growing up. I remember for years and years, my mom not getting anything new for herself to make sure that we had food on the table and that I could play sports and play dumb video games. I remember my dad working extremely hard to make sure that he exemplified what hard work looked like, and I got to be with him through all of it and all the churches that we were at, which ultimately led me here, led me to want to be in ministry, that example that he shared. And people would ask if my parents were divorced or if, it, or if I wasn't that close with my family because of how far they lived, from me, and I would look them in the eyes and say, we are extremely close. And there is not a doubt in my mind that they have done all and will continue to do whatever they need to do to keep our family together, even thousands of miles away from each other and through the hardest of disasters. We went through a whole lot, and I always felt supported and like we were going to get through it, and it shaped me to be the man I am today. And I wouldn't take it back for anything, as God has taught me so much through it. But one thing that has come up in it is that I read this passage many times. And I found myself putting my life into Orpah's story. Which, talking with Elia and going through this, he's like, no one talks about Orpah. And I was like, yeah, but I, I, we just kind of kept going back and forth. But 
I was putting myself in, in the, the story of Orpah because I didn't stay with my family. My family left and I stayed here and I had this kind of idea that I made the wrong decision. And I fought and wrestled with this idea that I'd failed my family because I didn't stick it out with them like Ruth did. But then talking more about this, thinking more, and how this story, uh, that, that Oprah isn't even mentioned of making the wrong decision. It's actually a decision that shows the complexity of not only this story, but life itself. Also, big kicker, this story's not about me or you. That one, that one's tough for me to, to take myself out of it. It's about who God is and who he calls us to be as his people. And we can see that right here in the church. But as a Westerner, I was, I was reading this as an opposition. That Ruth and Orpah were actually at odds against each other. And Ruth made the right decision and Orpah gave up on them. When in reality, most people forget Orpah's even there. Because Ruth is the reason for this story. Because Ruth points to God. Ruth is a direct ancestor of Jesus and would be one of the key players in the true story of our Savior. Not only does this passage and whole book teach us about Jesus, it is specifically in the path of Jesus. Tim Keller puts it like this. Both Boaz, who will be talked about later in this series, and Ruth point to Jesus, our true Redeemer, and once we realize that, we can ourselves reach across spiritual barriers to engage in spiritual friendships and be true disciples of Jesus. Now I say, where is God calling you? Wherever he's calling you, he's calling you to embrace 